0: All right, all right, all right. I'm Joe Turner, and this is the City Manager Unfiltered Podcast, a podcast for city managers and other public sector executives. I have Charlotte Colley with me from Ohio. We're going to go over her story. She was a county executive before that. She was a, a municipal executive, city level, and she had a tough experience on her last, her last assignment and her life has kind of gone in a different direction. She's gone into some consulting and, and some other things that we're going to get into that here. Charlotte, why don't you introduce yourself to the, the folks at home who are paying attention?
1: Great. Thanks, Joe. Um happy to be here. So, as you mentioned, I am a local government manager. I've been in local government for almost 20 years now when you count everything all together. So, I've done local government consulting at the beginning of my career, did some direct government with various different organizations throughout Ohio. I was a village administrator in New Concord, Ohio on the eastern side of the state left that position, moved to the western side of the state to take the county administrator position in, with Miami County. Left there in March of 23 and now I'm doing local government consulting with various different organizations over here on in western Ohio and some in central and it's it's been great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's been it's been and great that, leaving government.
1: <laughs> not necessarily leaving it. <laughs> They're just not beholden necessarily to elected officials or any other fun stuff that comes with that.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because I started posting on LinkedIn in September, August of 2022 and before that, I was seeing stories about your situation in the headlines, because you guys know I'm a, I I was scanning the headlines before I started doing LinkedIn. And for whatever reason, Miami County was popping up on my algorithms. It was just, I was seeing stories about you and your situation there. And then obviously you punched out of there in March or so of 2023. You know, when, when you look at your 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 I guess we can go into your background in a second but when I look at your career arc you know you made a really impressive jump from New Concord to Miami County I think New Concord is was a, only a few thousand people in the community Miami County is 100,000 and change or so was that a large was that career move largely based on the jump in responsibility and and what have you what was the rationale to leave New Concord after about 7 years to go to Miami County
1: Right so I have to start before that to make it make sense. Okay. So I was with the city of Dublin, Ohio, in the uh, Columbus metro area for five and a half years, left there to go to the city of New Albany, which is where Intel is located now or or being built, right? So left there for that. Uh, that was a great position. Loved it. Thought I was going to stay there forever. But a professor of mine from my undergrad university, my Muskingum University, which is in New Concord, got in touch with me and said, hey... You got to take this village administrator position. The The current guy is leaving. He's been there 22 years. This is great, you know, all this stuff. So I said, okay, you know, I'll look at it. My manager in New Albany, you know, because I, I said, I haven't been there long enough. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do it. I thought about it for a couple of days. I was like, nah. He actually came into my office and said, you take that job. You go there, you apply, you get that job because I know what you want to do. And I said, okay, fine, you know, because you have to have the title in your resume. To get the next job even if you have all the experience in the world it seems like you you can't move up unless you have that title so a lot of my peers in the columbus area you know i'd been doing a lot of big things for the spot i was in my career I'd, I'd really jumped ahead quickly they were like don't go don't go stay here something will open up around the the 270 area you know so it, it'll be fine And I said, no, I'm going to take this. So I went to New Concord, stayed almost seven years. It was great until it wasn't, got really ugly, really political, really hostile, and so decided it was time to leave. And I ended up making a decision between two different places. I could have gone back to central Ohio and taken a city manager position or do this new thing with the county in Miami County. I'd never worked for a county before. I'd been around them. I'd worked with them, but I saw this as a growth opportunity for me to be able to learn some new skills, meet some new people. I had a lot of peer connections in the Dayton area. So I thought, you know, this, this will be a good move for us. And it was, and it wasn't. And, you know, there's a reason God has a plan is all I I can say on that.
0: I hear you. You know, I'm. I'm really, really fascinated to listen to you unpack that because I've often argued on LinkedIn and other uh, formats that if you're an aspiring city manager and you're in one of these larger organizations and one of these urban areas, that one of the best things I think you can do is to get out of that management analyst land, so to speak, and go into a smaller community and become a city manager, city administrator, get that title. Because you're going to supercharge your career and you're going to put it on a rocket ship. You know, there's just something about having the title that changes everything. And, you know, the reality is, is when you are a small town city manager, village manager, town manager, you are forced to learn things and you get exposed to things that you would just never get exposed to in management analyst land for most organizations. And so I'm really happy to hear you say that because I do think there's a lot of aspiring city managers who they're afraid to make that jump into a small community and take on the role of a city or, or a town manager or administrator. I think in part because there's a little bit of a stigma with being a small town manager. It's almost like, you know, you're not big time or or what have you. At least I, I even kind of felt that when I was uh, starting my city management career. Uh, but the reality is that you can make impre- impressive jumps. You know, my personal situation, I went from a town of, of 1,700, a budget of $3 million, uh, or so and uh, two years i punched out of there went to my next city which was uh, 2500 and a budget of seven million and that was a smaller jump than i really wanted to make but there were reasons why and i won't get into that here other than the fact that I didn't need to move my house and sell my house and some other things and then my next jump here where i'm at now is you know I'm overseeing seven departments 265 employees and a uh, over a hundred million dollars in, in budget you know so I think a lot of folks need to follow or think long and hard about following that track i think there's a lot of comfort in being in that management analyst and management fellow type land in in a large organization. Uh, But unless you are like anointed, and I think unless you're falling under the chosen, you know, unless you're, you know, one of the chosen ones, I think it's really behooves people to think about changing organizations and making some jumps, but those, those changes are risky and there's uncertainty there. And so anyway, a little segue on that, but I wanted to communicate that because I think that's a, one of the easiest ways to jumpstart or, you know, put your career in the fast lane that is to go get a small town city manager gig.
1: Yep. You learn so much. I had never dealt with water or wastewater. Periphery dealt with it because the city of Columbus provides all those services to the the metro area and and those folks just kind of maintain the lines. But the actual inner workings of a water and a sewer plant, I had no clue how any of that worked until I went to New Concord and we had our own Surface water plant, which is completely different from groundwater and much more difficult.
0: Yes. We had our
1: own sewer plant. Both were aging. We had a huge tank, groundwater tank, that fed one side of the community that was over 130 years old and uh, needed to be knocked on its butt so we could put a new one up. So we had to reverse the flow in our lines in the middle of winter to be able to do it. And I mean, just all the intricacies that come with small towns who, who are that are growing that have these needs and don't have the budget to be able to hire all these experts to, to run the things, you jump in and you wear every single hat. I went from event coordinator to zoning manager to HR person, a little bit of fiscal when things got rocky to wastewater water and then roads. I wrote all of our specs for our road program. I mean, the skills that come out of a small place are invaluable. And I've told so many uh, young folks in this profession, take the leap, do it while you're young, do it well before you get the golden handcuffs before you get in that job where you just can't afford to leave, even though you desperately need to make that transition now and learn all you can and then go to the big leagues in a little bit. You know, I mean, it's
0: yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the keys of being a small town manager is just be a journalist. I mean, you just got to, you got to know a little bit of everything. And, and, you know, you're going to, most of these folks who are thinking about becoming a city manager, they're going to have this self-doubt. They're going to question whether or not they're ready. I mean, I had questions. In fact, sometimes I still question myself of whether or not I should be where I'm at. You're always going to have those concerns, but I can tell you that if you have, if you're smart, you're talented, you're a quick learner, you know how to you know, wrap your head around things and different ideas and concepts, and you know how to uh, interact with people and uh, have a healthy, you know, BS detector and things of that sort of nature, you're gonna be just fine. You know, no one's gonna expect you to know everything. And so, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of small town manager jobs across the country that are being, you know, going with you know a lot of difficulty to fill, right? A lot of these communities are having yes. a hard time finding uh, quality people. And I, you know, that's it. That's my pitch. If you are, if you're an aspiring city manager and you are in a larger organization or you're a more urban area and you're, you want to jumpstart your career, go get the title, spend a couple of years, right? Honor the ICMA requirements. If you want to do the ICMA thing, get your, get your time under your belt and then jump back to the, the area where you're from. I mean, that's, I don't think that's going to be impossible at all. Anyway, little, little segue there. Let's go back into your situation with Miami County, because obviously this precipitated a major change in your life because, you know, you were there for just under two years and now you're doing this whole consulting thing and we're going to talk about some other projects that you're working on. Can you walk us through what that experience was like? Because you, in one respects, you, you jumped out of the fire and into the frying pan or whatever the saying is, because, yeah. you know, things kind of got a little tense in Miami County in short order. And I'm not sure if this was due to an election or maybe you can elaborate on that.
1: Right. So, you know, I, I left New Concord, there was a mayor change and some elected official changes. And, and it was, in hindsight, probably time for me to leave, I probably should have left two years before. But, you know, one of the wonderful things about being a small town manager is that you you embrace this, this small staff group, and they become your family. And you, you know, you have to, this is a skill that every single manager has to learn. And it's hard, and it's ugly you have to learn how to separate personal and professional and and you can't meld too much because i stayed for a year and a half longer than i should because i wanted to protect everyone from the changes and the upheaval and everything else and really what i was doing was i was hurting myself and i was messing with my mental health and my physical well-being and when i finally left it took me a good or five months to really get that back and get to a place where I was, in my opinion, functioning well enough to to go into another organization. And so, I took this job in uh, Miami County, moved my entire family two and a half hours west into Flatland, <laughs> where we're from the Appalachian foothills, hilly area, and and so my. My daughter, at the time when we moved, she was two, just about to turn three. And she would say, Mom, we're from Appalachia. And I said, yes, honey, we are. And she said, now we in Flatland. I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're in Flatland. <laughs> so anyway, so, you know, the the my family is a huge part of, of my life. So they, they come into the, the conversations all the time. So took the job. The commissioners who at the time hired me are still there, you know, in, individually, they they really are uh, great men. They they do have the community and best interest of the community at, in, in their hearts and they want to do the right thing. And, you know, I can't fault them for any of that. But it, it was a difficult shift for them to go from being the administrative, executives, taking care of everything, having control over every single decision that was made to switching to an administrator who took care of all that. That was very difficult for them. From the get-go of the position, things didn't go well. They did not give me the authority that I needed uh, through the Ohio Revised Code. They have to basically pass an ordinance giving me authority to to do the basic day-to-day stuff that this position was supposed to take care of. They didn't pass that until I'd been there six or seven months.
0: Wow. Yeah. So were you so were you the first administrator for Miami County? Or how'd that work? Because they're they're a large there, county.
1: There had been two before, but they had been spaced out. One was more of a legal guy who took care of that end of things and didn't dabble in too much else, from what I've heard. This okay. this has been a, an odyssey over, you know, 20, 30 years. And, and there was another one that had been there for, but n- none of them had had long 10 years, you know, and I had found out about that while I was applying, talked to m- many different people about it, said, you know, is this a good move? Is this going to work out for me? You know, like, what do you think? And, and everyone by and large said, we think it's a good move. We think that the commissioners are ready. This is, this is a good thing. We kept moving. We kept moving forward. I, felt like once we got that ordinance passed and everything, you know, was moving forward, we were hearing things from the community, from other stakeholders, like, wow, you know, you guys are, are really moving forward. We're we're so excited about how Miami County is engaging with other organizations and and the things that are happening and, you know, the future's looking bright. There's lots of opportunity, all sorts of things. And and it was like, you know, a feather in the commissioner's cap you know, I don't take any credit for it. I was just able to to pull this team right. together to try and move the commissioner's goals forward.
0: Right. Well, and a win for you is a win for them. A win for you is a win for Absolutely. staff. Staff wins, you win. Everyone's winning. Right. So. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah.
1: Right. So, you know, it just, what, what I can say is that, you know, back to my previous comment, this was a difficult change for them and change isn't always easy. Isn't, isn't always you know, doable. And for many different reasons, they felt that they did not want someone who was making these administrative decisions, you know, to, to be able to have that much authority Quality. over yeah. the organization. It, and it was, it, you know, we, we want to be involved in every single decision that is made, no matter how big or small.
0: And you know, that's you know, their it, purview. Well, you know, and that's an interesting thing, Charlotte, because on one hand, I get it, right? If you're an elected official and you run for office and you're saying, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and you want to have direct control over things, right? Because you want to move the needle, you want to get things done on behalf of your constituents who elected you. I I get all that, but there's a a fundamental misunderstanding throughout the country on a part of many elected officials as far as where their roles began and end and then where the administrator or manager's roles begin and end and that that can be really problematic my first two administrator gigs were in communities that had previously had a city administrator but coincidentally they'd been three years or so without having one and so I was almost walking into a new situation and creates a little bit of a challenge because you know staff is used to reporting directly to a mayor or going directly to elected officials or what have you especially in a small town environment where it's very intimate right and yeah. Miami County strikes me as even like a small county even though it's got 100,000 people strikes me as a you know an intimate county where people just know each other and, and what have you do you think that if you could go back in time you would have maybe tried to do something different with respect to a contract provision or something as far as maybe clearly delineating or enumerating what your powers were and what the expectations were of the governing body because this is something i've been thinking about quite a bit you know i talk about city management contracts compensation quite a bit on my platform and i'm really starting to think that many of us managers need to do a better job in our contracts of maybe enum- expressly enumerating what these powers are and where those boundaries are because i think we've traditionally relied on just hey this is how the government works and this is put in the charter or what have you. but you know they need to be in our actual contract i think and i don't know if that's the right way or not i need to have maybe some attorneys on the show to talk about it but what are your thoughts on what you would do differently maybe either contractually or professionally with respect to your time in uh, Miami County.
1: Right. So just like you said, I would have, and I had a contract, you know, and, and I thought, hey, I did a good job, but I didn't have enough understanding of the Ohio Revised Code and how it worked with counties. You know, and that's my fault for I mean, I read it, but I didn't totally understand it. First and foremost, I think that our state associations need to have some sort of education at our conferences, things like that, to help new people in the in the in the career path say, okay, here's the differences. Here's some things you got to think about when you're a management analyst or you're, you know, a department director and you are aspiring to take the big seat here's a checklist of all the things that you should really be planning for. Because once you're in there and you sign that, that document that says there's my contract, that's it. You know I yeah. mean? Maybe you'll have opportunities in a couple of years to revise sure. it, but you really need to, to get the nuances. So with city management, obviously, you know, I've, I've worked in statutory before I've worked in council manager form, but you, it, it's a, it's a little bit different in County. You know, the, the organization, the structure is different. And it doesn't automatically, the the administrative um, authority doesn't automatically fall to a county administrator. It It has to be given. So in my contract, I didn't put that in there, but I should have. I should have said, here are the things based on the Position description that was written based on the profile that was put out there for recruitment, based on our conversations during the interviews. Here's the things that you've stated that you want this position to handle. And by contract, you know, here's this ordinance that we've all agreed to on my first day I would, or prior, I would like this to be enacted so I can hit the ground running. Right. Yeah. I didn't do that. But you know, if, if I ever jump back into a County that doesn't have a more formalized structure, that's definitely a consideration, you know? And, and I, I, like I said earlier, the, the commissioners, I can't fault them totally because they didn't know what they didn't know either. They didn't know that they would have such a hard time giving up this authority and and they wouldn't they didn't realize they would have this you know concern of not knowing everything. I mean there's just not enough time in the day to sit down and say here's every single conversation I had during the day. Yeah. And it it was just you know it it was tough and they they really weren't ready for what we had discussed. And at the end of the day I think that that they're they're doing okay with you know the path that they've chosen since i've i've left and things are moving forward the way that they should and and that's great you know and more power to them they're elected officials and and this is you know they were elected to run that office and they're doing it and that's that's wonderful and you know but it just didn't work for me at the the time and so and it it was my choice i wasn't told to leave it was my choice to say you know what this just isn't working for me And it's time to go, you know, if I if I can't do the job that you hired me to do, then I'm going to go do something else because I'm not here for just a paycheck. I'm here to make a difference in the community that I'm managing. I'm here to move the needle forward for the staff that are working for me. So, you know, it just it it was it wasn't a fit and on to better, different things.
0: Well, let's talk about that then. So it was your choice to leave and you left at about a one year and nine month mark or so, give or take less than two years in, which, you know, that's, that's a typical important benchmark, obviously, or time point or time check with our profession, Did you have any concerns or fears about punting out of there in less than two years and what impact that might have on you in a future job search? Or was that not even, was that the furthest thing from your mind, perhaps because you're dealing with other issues or mental health or just happiness? Or, I mean, what was the, how'd you weigh those two issues? Because the the reason why I bring it up, because a minute ago you talked about obviously the, you know, the state association, which would be the, you know, the the ICMA chapter for Ohio, OCCMA, I believe is what you guys call it out there. OCMA. OCMA. And, you know, and, you know, obviously I have my issues with ICMA and so forth and so on. So we won't get into that. But I mean, did you have some concerns about what impact that might have on you professionally with respect to leaving with in fewer than two years?
1: Yes, I did. and But I've been there before. And for various reasons, you know, and I've, I've looked into it. So with New Albany, I left prior to having my full two years in. My the city manager, who's still there at the time, said, you know, if you ever run into a thing with ICMA and you need me to write you a letter, I will absolutely do that. Just letting them know that you had a career opportunity and you needed to take it. And I said, "Okay, that's great." For for this situation, I wasn't, you know, I can I can clearly explain that my authority that had been granted by ordinance was publicly removed the December before I left the county, leaving me with no ability to do the job that I was required to do. Right. You know, I my department heads had more purchasing authority than I did. So I, you know, it was it was a very clear situation where I couldn't do the job that I was supposed to do. And at the end of the day, I thought about it, but I really wasn't that worried about it. You know, it was like check the box, okay, I'm good there, whatever. Let's move on to the bigger, more important issues of what's next you know how am i going to feed my family you know all all the things how am i going to make that right. that next jump into whatever it is i'm going to jump into
0: a couple of points i want to make on that you know mm-hmm. uh, you re- you've heard to new albany but you were not the city manager in new albany no. and this is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine and I, again i'm not going to go down the icma bashing rabbit hole with you i don't want i don't want, I don't like to conscript other managers into my battle charlotte uh, but you know <laughs> But non-man- non-city and county managers are not beholden to the two-year requirement. And it, it really no. frustrates me that you have an organization that puts a two-year mandate or re- requirement on city and county managers, but from the assistant level down to any other level of being a member in the organization, you're not beholden to that requirement. Yet those individuals get to also vote on the same code of ethics that The city and county managers are beholden to and subject to. I have a problem with that. Again, I'm not going to. You don't need to comment on that. I'm not trying to bring you into that, but just a point I wanted to make. One thing I wanted to go back to was you had some difficulty in Miami County, and we didn't talk about this in the pre-interview. So this is a little bit of a curveball, and I'm not trying to fish for anything. So there's nothing there. You don't need to talk about it. But do you feel that? you know, with you being a female manager, that there was some issues there at all with respect to how you're treated in the power dynamic, or do you feel that was largely irrelevant and it would have happened with any other manager? Do you want to tread lightly on this one? Maybe I don't know. I'm going to,
1: I'm going to tread lightly. Okay. And that should give you your answer right there. There you go. Okay. So, you know, I, I think that change is hard and I'm, different than what they had in the past. And I'm much more of an independent, I'm going to take the the policies and the initiatives that you as elected officials have passed and, and blessed and said, you know, go forth and do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm gonna come back for direction and make sure that at checkpoints things are are where they need to be. But I I can run this on my own. I I can I'm very competent and and very uh confident that I can handle these things and I can stand on my own two feet. And yes, I'm a female. I'm the oldest of four children, and I bossed my house around from the time that I could talk, you know? So <laughs> I'm good, but in saying that, that kind of attitude and, and, you know, and I can, I can be tactful and I am tactful and I am respectful, but, but it's just a different dynamic. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. But, but yes, I I definitely shook things up.
0: Well, it's got to be very frustrating. And, and again, I'm not trying to bait you for any, I'm just going to leave it with my commentary. I mean, you're there for a year and nine months. It takes you six months to to get the authority to be really to run your position the way it's supposed to run. And then, you know, about four months or so before you punch out of there, uh, you get it stripped from you. So you had a very, very narrow window of time where you're actually even able to be the administrator or the manager uh, of that county, which I'm sure was very frustrating, very frustrating. I,
1: I was the first in, right? Yeah. So, so and I've been first in lots of places. Yeah. I've been the first female in, the first uh, okay. female manager in, right? Okay. So I'm just going to say I paved the way or or at least put down the first layer of of, you know, rock and limestone and you know somebody else can add the next layer and then finally we'll get to the point where you know we can put down the pretty asphalt that looks amazing, you know, and and yeah. the, the road will be paved. But somebody's got to be the first in and I've got broad enough shoulders that I can do that. And I'm glad I did.
0: Going through this very tough time, I don't know about you. I think there's a little bit of a gender difference between men and women. For example, I think men place a lot more self-worth or self-worth on job satisfaction and career progress and what have you. That's again, a generalization. There's always going to be exceptions to the rule. I can tell you that speaking of me personally, that I'm very much focused on work. And if I do not feel like I'm contributing at work or have the ability to do what I was hired to do. I don't have the free reign to to sort of tackle things in the way I want to do because I don't like to be micromanaged who does. Right. And I feel like if I'm not able to get things done in the way that I want to get them, not, not in the way I want to get them done, but if I'm not able to get things done in such a way that meets my expectations for adding value to the organization or there's issues that I'm having with the governing body at the time or whatever the case may be, man, my job satisfaction plummets and I get really, it can put me in a weird place mentally because I place an inordinate amount of weight or significance on that aspect of my life. You know what I mean? And I had a, 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 my most recent mayor in my, in my previous community, he says, Joe, you're kind of like a workaholic. And so when things aren't going good at work, you're just not really going good at all. And he goes, you need to get some hobbies or something, right? You know, <laughs> and, and I'm not very good at getting hobbies. I'm not very good at that. I do enjoy work. I do enjoy my passion projects. But for me, work-life balance has always been a little bit of an issue. How did you cope with some of these issues that you're dealing with? Because, you know, you move to this new community, you take on this new challenge. You, I'm sure you had the highest of expectations and were so excited. You know, you're going to a much larger organization. I'm assuming there was a bump in pay, all that stuff that goes along with it. And then it just never really kind of gets off the launch pad, right? The way you wanted. And it was almost just sort of short-circuited out from the beginning. And then you have day-to-day issues. So how do you how did you get through this whole process?
1: Right. So again, that started before I got to Miami County. I'm going to just say I've been a Christian my entire life. My parents were very instrumental in that. Uh, Both my mom and dad have our believers and took us to church and talked to us about, you know, various different aspects of how, you know, Jesus loves you no matter what. Doesn't matter if your belief system and actions don't line up with what's taught in the Bible and how you should act and what you should do and what you should believe—it doesn't matter. He loves you no matter what. And as Christians, we get a bad rap, but we should uh, seek to um, exemplify that. We we should love people no matter what. And that has been kind of my my rock, my basis for how I've learned to become a manager over you know the the twenty or so years that I've been in this business. I'm going to lead with love. I'm going to lead with vulnerability. And that's okay. I'm a mom. I have three kids. I don't share the oh, some of the issues that you have. I have way too many hobbies. I'm a beekeeper. I love to <laughs> garden. I love to can. I want to be outside all the time. I want to do all these different things. And I have and I'm going to blame my dad for that. He, he had all these things that he wanted to do, all these interests and all these fascinations. And, you know, someday I'm going to get my pilot's license because I know how to fly a plane, but I just didn't have time and money to do it at the same time. He taught me how to do it. You know, he was a pilot for a while. I mean, you know, you name it. I'm like, Ooh, squirrel, let's do it. You know? So I think. And and,
0: and including raising some puppies, right? Did you just have a busy night last night.
1: Yeah. You know, there's this thing that is important called communication and, and also time planning and looking at a calendar. And we didn't do either. My husband surprised me with a puppy for Christmas, but didn't tell me that, you know, cause it was a surprise. I didn't find out until after I took our other dog and she had a date with her boyfriend and this was intentional. We talked about this. We knew this uh-huh. was going to happen uh-huh. um, and it took, and then he was like, Oh shoot. <laughs> you're getting a puppy for Christmas. I was like, what? <laughs> so, so we have this adorable, dumb Basset hound puppy. Who's just everywhere all the time. And you know, the kids, I, I've just said kids you clean up our messes. you know, it'll be okay. And then my other dog, who's a a, a miniature a Dasher hound is, you know, crazy pregnant. Can't even walk down the stairs. And last night she decided we're going to have some puppies. So we have five brand new puppies. My kids are in heaven, love and life. And, we're just trying to you know walk behind them and pick up the pieces and clean up everything and it's crazy <laughs> so yeah like life is never boring here you know we we do a lot of we had a farm back home and so we picked it up and moved it to a smaller patch of land but you know we we have chickens and we have rabbits and we sorry people listening butcher and meat and do a lot of that, that stuff. We we are very much a, you know, should, should be back on a farm kind of deal. But yeah. it's important to us to be able to know where our food comes in the, from. And the kids understand that. And, you know, we, we buy milk from a farm and the milk was taken out, you know, like that morning when we pick it up, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. It's, it's just it's a different way of living. And I know I've talked to some other managers and they're like, you're weird. I'm like, I know it's okay. <laughs> It it doesn't hurt my feelings.
0: You know, actually, I I don't think it's weird at all because, you know, me spending some time in Kansas, you get to see more of the circular aspect of life, right? You get to see how everything's more interconnected. You know, growing up in Southern California, the West Coast, you're disconnected from how everything works. You know, you just go to the store and food's there. You know, everyone's sort of on their own little island. But, you know, when you go to the Midwest where I was at. You know, you have the butcher shop literally in town with the mm-hmm. every other walk of life. You know, you just it's, a, it's, yeah. it's just you have this really, really comprehensive 360 degree, degree understanding of how life works and our yeah. connected nature and how everyone relies on each other to some degree. You know, and then when you get out into, in my opinion, the more urban areas, you lose that sense of how we're connected and how we all must work together as a country or a society. But anyway, that's a that's Absolutely. a rant for, for, for another day. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you know,
1: so I I grew up in the middle of nowhere. yeah, And I didn't have indoor plumbing until right before I got into junior high.
0: Are you serious?
1: I am dead serious. Wow. We had an outhouse and we had a a honeypot.
0: That's a curveball. I was not (laughs) expecting that Charlotte.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm just going to lay it all out there because this kind of builds the picture, right? So we didn't have good water. I mean, the water tasted amazing. It was, it was great, but the, it didn't flow well. So we were constantly hauling water. My mom was a a big proponent of milk jugs. Uh And we would go down to Baker's carryout and all four of us would pile out of the car and we'd fill the milk jugs up at Baker's carryout and we'd take them back home just in case we ran out of water. So we had water there. Wow. You know, and and when I lived in, in Chandlersville during the time that I was with New Concord, I had the same issue because there aren't good sources of water in some parts of the country. And so these these residents have to deal with some really tough issues, Um, myself included. We had salt water, so we couldn't drink it. We could do everything else with it, but we couldn't drink it. So we had to haul it. And it just it gives you that sense of, wow, you know, when you when you move to an area that has all those things, has good Internet, we had satellite Internet, we couldn't we couldn't remote school the kids. We had to homeschool them because remote learning was not a thing we dove into that crazy arena. And when you get to an area that has all the infrastructure in place, has the clean potable water, has the high-speed internet, you can really be thankful for where you came from. And you can empathize for where people are in the hard situations that they're in. Right. And so, you know, just jumping back, I know I went off on a weird little tangent there, but jumping back into, you know, what got me through these tough times, right? It's my belief in God, my faith system. So while I was in New Concord, things were tough. I started to, when when things started to, to get a little dicey, I had a 15, 20 minute drive into town. And every morning on the way into town, I prayed, God, give me the right things to say. Help me to have wisdom, help me to have discernment. I I need to feel you and and help ha- help you help me help me make these decisions that I've got to make today. Help me do a good job. Help me to be a good boss. Help me to be a good listener. Those kind of things every day. And, you know, I really got more involved in my church. And people would, especially on the bad days, people would come up and say, Why are you still here? How are you still here? What's what's going on? You know, what's what's keeping you around? And I said, God is my belief that God has this under control. I can't do it myself. I've basically said, here, this is yours. I'm putting this at your feet. I can't do it on my own. You tell me how to do it. You tell me where to go. I'm listening. You know, and when you tell me it's time to go, it's time to go. And and he did. You know, it was very clear. Very, very clear. And just that peace that defies all understanding came over me when it was time to leave. And it was like, okay, I, I got it. Loud and clear. Let's go. Time to leave. And I took that to Miami County. There were some really great department heads there who pretty early on said, hey, let's let's get a, a Bible study leadership meeting together said, yeah, can, that's
0: great. Can I, can I stop you right there? Come, I'm, yeah. I'm, curious, I'm curious about something, Charlotte, you know, me growing up on the West coast, more urban, I don't say anti-God or anti-religion, but there's an, definitely a strong element of that, you know, right. and uh, you walk on eggshells in some places because, you know, you don't know what people's faith is and everyone's super, not everyone, but there's a lot of super defensive uh, postures or whatnot. Right. So, how do you navigate or broach that sort of conversation? Or how were these coming up in the workplace when you know it's a pretty sensitive topic and you as a manager, you don't wanna be obviously seen as, bullying somebody or pressuring somebody to be not Bible-thumping. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, you know, it's funny, I don't think I've posted any stories on LinkedIn, but I have read a couple articles in the past about city managers and even elected officials who have been accused of sort of proselytizing in the workplace or, you know, kind of going over the line, wherever that line is. And I was kind of curious, how did, how did that happen? Well, these are very organic discussions. I know, obviously, in the Midwest, and I, I know this is a generalization, but I think it's a fair generalization, folks tend to be a little bit more religious. And I don't mean that in a negative, a pejorative way, but there's more more in tune with going to church and receptive to that sort of kind of conversations when it comes to faith and, and religion. So were these organic conversations that popped up and then you guys just took it to another step as far as going off site and having prayers or be- meetings? Or can you walk me through that?
1: yeah I mean first first rule of of being a manager, know your audience right So I knew in in New Concord that the people who were talking to me I, I kind of it's a small town. I kind of knew where they were coming from and so right. i I knew that I could talk to them about this and even the people who I wasn't really sure about, you know I I just took a leap of faith and said, I'm gonna tell them and I'm not gonna preach to them. I'm not gonna try and save them in the hallway but I am going to tell them where I am coming from, where my belief system is and how I'm personally dealing with the situation. And they can take what they want from that. So it, it didn't. And I, you know, the world didn't end, nothing caught on fire, you know, everything was cool. And I said, okay, this is good. You know? So in, in Miami County, you know, same thing, know, know your audience, know, know the area where you are and, we didn't do this necessarily during the workday. We waited till after the workday had ended, and then we got together and we did a, a leadership Bible study. So each of us, it was a you know kind of every two week thing, and each of us would take a different topic and we would prepare something, and then we would talk about it. And we would pray over the leadership of the county, of the elected officials, over the department directors, over you know just the county in general and what was going on, and and we would talk and we would fill our cups between the you know three or four of us just kind of have that opportunity to to say what's how's your soul today how how are you feeling what's making you heavy and how can we pray for you and how can we help you and as a manager that doesn't happen very often right a lot of times we're stuck at the top and it's really lonely up there. And we've, we've got to, we've got to give and give and give to everybody else, but nobody gives to us because we've got to have that separation. Mm -hmm. So this was, you know, just an invaluable way for me to connect with people who truly understood what I was going through. They were seeing it. And, and from, from that, faith area we you know we we're all christians we all have the same belief system we could identify with one another and say hey you know what what can we do to help you and and help you move forward and help you feel better help fill fill that cup so you're not so completely drained that you can't function and and that was really important for me so that that helped get me through a lot of really tough situations when things would go really south all i had to do was pick up the phone and and say hey here's what's going on. Will you, will you guys keep me in your thoughts and your prayers? And they, yeah, absolutely. And I didn't have to worry because I knew they would, you know, so that, that was a really big thing for me.
0: This is going to be a dumb question maybe, right? Can you right. articulate for those who are listening to the podcast or watching, can you articulate what it is exactly about your faith that gives you comfort or gives you peace or gives you that stick to itness, you know what our perseverance or what like what is it that helps you
1: so that goes back to the way i was raised and i grew up in appalachian ohio in poor county we we had nothing we had a, a farmhouse that was kind of falling apart and yeah lots of things, right? Like there were people that were way worse off than us, but it wasn't easy group in the eighties when everybody was going bankrupt, things were bad. I had no clue. We had 80 acres next to a state forest. So I thought we were rich. I had no idea that the government food truck would come and they would bring us like cheese and unbranded cereal. And I thought it was awesome. You know, I was so excited about that. Right. But my mom and dad, you know, I mean, they, they had to have that in order to help us to survive, and then they got back on their feet, and they did all the things that they needed to do to to get to a point where they were self sufficient. But in growing up and having that example, that unconditional love tied to this is this is what Jesus does. This is what He stands for. And seeing the things that couldn't be explained any other way than God's taking care of us. My brother was born with severe asthma. He should not have survived it was really, really bad. And he made it and he's grew out of it and he's super health healthy, wonderful, life is good, right? I there were there were so many things that I saw growing up, times when we had zero money and I really needed something or I really, really wanted something. And a check in the would come in the mail that my parents weren't expecting and it would be just enough to pay for whatever it was that I needed. Those things, those coincidences aren't coincidences in my mind. Those, those are, those are God things. I've seen things as an adult that have happened that, again, don't make sense any other way than God put that in my path.
0: God provides, right? God provides. Right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't mean to get preachy. I just, this is, this is a really strong belief for me. I
0: I hate the expression, but you're in a safe space with me. My parents became born again, born again, Christians after having many years of drug use and being in prison. And I grew up very poor and I I was Mm on government cheese and the powdered milk (laughs) and all that stuff back in the day. So, so I I get it. And uh, you know, there are a lot of interesting things when you're growing up in the environment with uh, believing parents who are believers where crazy stuff like that happens all the time. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So no, and uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I have my own issues with religion and God and who knows where all that's going to play out in my life or whatever, you know, it's a, (laughs) that's a conversation for another podcast or a different podcast or another day or uh, some other, some other venue, but I'm very much uh, supportive of the idea of allowing people to talk about their faith. I've had uh, Daniel Rosemont on the podcast before he's talked about his faith, Uh, Sarah McGuffin in Virginia. She's talked about her faith after and her near-death experience, what she went through, and so mm-hmm. forth and so on. And I, I don't really like where we're at in our current society right now, where it seems to be. We talk about, you know, a lot of diversity, equity, inclusion. We talk about a lot of, you know, being tolerant of other viewpoints and coexisting. But it does tend to be a little bit of open season on those who practice the Christian faith. And and I have some distaste. I'm not going to get into a political rant on that today. But it does frustrate the hell out of me when I see double standards applied and and what have you. So you're. In Miami County, things are getting pretty bad, and you're getting ready to eject out of there. Walk us through the thought process and what the whole plan of attack was as you're getting ready to leave on your own terms and start another chapter. What was going through your mind? What were you hoping to accomplish? Just walk us through that, because there's a lot of there's a lot of managers who are going to be listening to this podcast who are in similarly undesirable situations, and they're saying, "Damn it, I wish I could, you know, eject or do something different, or I'm just not. It's just, what do I do? I don't know. How did you prepare yourself for that exit?"
1: Right. So this is, this is an awesome platform. So my, my mess, hopefully is going to be somebody else's message, you know, and, and that's, that's my prayer right now that that this is, is going to be helpful to another manager who's in a similar situation. So, you know, I obviously prayed a lot, talked to a lot of people who I find comfort, you know, in talking with, and, and, you know, I I value their guidance and their wisdom. And, you know, said, you know, what should I do? How how should I prepare for this? I knew just from the top, I needed to have a better network out here. I have a lot of peers who are city managers or in local government in this area, but I didn't know everybody. Obviously, I, I, I knew a few folks, you know, it's, it's it's just a different different region, right? So one of the the first things I did was clean up my LinkedIn platform. I've had LinkedIn for a long time, but I really haven't done much with it. So I thought, okay, I need to get in there. I need to clean it up, update it, do all that kind of stuff. So while I'm doing that, I start seeing posts from a guy, Paul Newberger, out of Wisconsin area, who is the founder of an organization called C-Suite for Christ. And I really, really liked what he was saying. It really meshed with my belief system. And I thought, man, this guy, you know, and so I started engaging with him. So the other thing that I did was I I knew that I needed an, another job because my contract wasn't that great with Miami County and you know, I it again first in very new situation I got as much as I could but it, it wasn't what I I probably needed. So, you know, I knew I was going to have to get a job fairly quickly. So, I had talked to uh, a gentleman Pete Bales who owns a consulting firm Local Gov Consulting at one point while I was the administrator and I I knew that he was looking for people to um, help with some projects. And so I contacted him just, you know, out of the blue and said, Hey, here's the situation. Do you have any, any capacity or do you need people, you know, right now? And he said, yeah, let's, let's talk. Mm -hmm. So, you know, between, Pete giving me a chance and and opening up some doors for me to do some interim uh, city manager finance director roles. And, and by the way, finance director is no joke. Be nice to your finance directors. They are amazing people. They are gods. <laughs> I've never been so terrified in my life. Uh, being a finance director, especially a finance director in a finance department of one. Wow. So man, these, these, these <laughs> men and, and women are, are just, they're, they're the real deal. And I learned so much from my experience in Carlisle and in Piqua. Very two very different experiences, but it was really great. And, and it's just going to help me on my path, you know, wherever that leads me. Right. So mm-hmm. currently I'm doing an interim assistant city director position for the city of Troy. I'm also, you know, dabbling in some records retention projects and just some little things here and there. A friend of mine through a cousin found out that I was doing this and said, hey, I need help grant writing. So I did some Appalachian community partnership grant writing for three Appalachian counties in November. So that was fun. I might do some more grant writing, you know, as the need arises. So as far as job and you know, the next thing goes, I've been taken care of. God has provided for us every single month. When I didn't think that I had anything lined up, and I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna freak out, but where's the money coming from? All of a sudden I get a phone call and say, Hey, can you do this next month? Can can you help us out? Yes, let's do it. And I'm gonna jump out of my comfort zone and I'm gonna learn new things and it's gonna be hard, but that's okay because I need to do this. Back to the C suite for Christ thing. So you know, I, I'm I'm at the same time kind of you know dual paths here working with Pete, getting things set up to to do some work for a neighboring county and so the C Suite for Christ conversation is is happening and Paul says, you know, we're really trying to expand all over the country. We have lots of chapters around. We're talking about, you know, starting some chapters internationally we don't have anything in ohio or really midwest outside of wisconsin minnesota area are you interested in starting a chapter and you know we went through all the things that are part of that money being one and came out with a an agreement that made sense and i said all right let's do it so it's fairly new started in late july we had our first gathering in october awesome and have been going since then and it, it's really starting to pick up steam, people are starting to take notice and starting to help me to get the word out. So just what it is, C-Suite for Christ is an organization that caters to business owners, CEOs, folks who are maybe department director level or, you know, Whatever position, so, has
0: so, pri- so private and public sector we're talking about, yeah, any, yeah, uh, doesn't doesn't matter profit.
1: what career yeah. field, yeah, doesn't matter. Retired um, individuals who still have some some sway and influence over a a group of people. So, you know, we could call people, we could open it up to everybody, and we could make phone calls all day long and talk about the Great commission, talk about the love of Jesus, talk about all these things. It would take forever and we wouldn't make a lot of progress or we could get people in like those owners of businesses, department directors, managers, people who oversee a number of staff and say, we're going to give you some tools and resources to be a better example for for Christ.
0: Okay. So
1: can you lead with, with the love of Christ on your sleeve? Right. Do you have that ability in your organization to pray before meetings? If not, that's okay, but right. some organizations do, right. and that's great. Can you have these just kind of one-off conversations with an employee who's having a tough time and and feel comfortable Talking about your faith walk and how that's helped you through similar right. tough times, right. all those kind of things. Can can you pray on the way to work or pray over your building before people get there? You know, whatever it is that that fits your organization. But is this,
0: is this primarily a remote, like virtual group, or do you guys meet in person? Because you have a geographic sort of designation. I'm kind of curious about that. Or is that a mixture?
1: It's a mixture. So we we've started chapters in in various different areas all over the country and we have two international chapters and more on the way. So the, the idea is to have at least at minimum one m- monthly gathering in person with a good inspirational speaker. So we had one, one, uh, that one gathering I joined from the home office in uh, Wisconsin and I I was able to, it's a, so you can join remotely, you can watch it live stream or you can physically be in a seat. Right. So we, gotcha. we give those options because we know people are, are busy. Not yeah. everybody's able to to attend every meeting. Right.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: you know, one of the, the people that I watched, she was just amazing. She's a, a marketing branding professional and So, you know, Paul had her speak to the group and she tailored her message. You know, she talked about what she did for her work and how her firm, you know, helps other other places really get their brand right and and get their message out. She tailored her message to us by saying, what's your brand, your personal brand? If you walk into a room, do people know you're a Christian? How are you talking to people? How are you ending your emails? How how are you interacting not everything is verbal. If you proclaim to be a Christian, but then you treat people terribly, what message is that sending? Right. So, you know, it was a really, really awesome speech. And, well, and, and, it's and, a, it,
0: and it's applicable to everyone else in their daily walk of life, right? Because absolutely. Even, if you're not, even if you're not a Christian per se, right,
1: right, what, right? What
0: do you want to be known for? What do you want to be recognized for, right? What is yes. your calling card? Uh, yep. What do people think of you when you walk into the room, right? And that and, carries a lot of weight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So what is in store now for Charlotte at this point? Because you, yeah. it's almost like you're taking this detour. You have your your faith-based journey that you're on, right? And you're just you're C-suite mm-hmm. for Christ and what have you. And it almost seems like you are, I don't know if the bumblebee or the honeybee metaphor is like you're kind of doing all these other <laughs> different things in local government now. Are you trying to reassess where you want to go moving forward in your government career or where, where do you stand right now? Are you going to be back uh, yeah. in, do you want to be a manager again what or, I mean I knows? don't
1: know okay. I don't know honestly so yes yes to that so i I don't know what the next step is I think there's some opportunities to jump back in to local government management uh, that are right around the corner and they may be something that I want to jump into I don't really know yet i'm I'm watching and I'm paying attention. I'm having conversations about you know what these entail and and does it make sense for me and the the place I am in life right now? All I can say is that the consulting work is going really well, and if the direct local government service opportunities don't really fit, that's okay. And I'm all right doing consulting because it's it's working and it's there. I don't get paid to do c-suite for christ i I make money off of people who become members and people who sponsor but for the fa- past few months i mean this is this has been me this has been my tithe money this has been you know all for me so as far as a a money making thing i'm not doing it for that reason i'm doing it because i feel like it's the right thing to do so so really the the consulting deal maybe maybe that's where i'm i'm going to stay for a while i've got 15 or so years in our um, Ohio retirement system, the local government. So I don't really, I'm halfway there, right? So I don't have to stay in that money's sitting there. And when I, you know, reach that certain age, I can pull it out and it's fine. But I don't have those golden handcuffs where I have to, you know, I've only got five more years. Right. I don't have to stay.
0: Which is, which um, is its own little type of prison, isn't it? When you think oh, about it, is. Right? it's
1: terrible. And uh, I hear managers who are just miserable, but they're like, we have to stay because of retirement. And I'm like, that sucks.
0: I know. And the, the irony is, is those are usually some of your last best Years, I don't want to get too morbid or mortality, but, you know, it's right. like, you know, it's like I was, I saw a meme on one of the, I forget where this was at, but it's something like, you know, you work 30, 40 years to, you know, to retire so you can have maybe five good years. I mean, I don't, you know, I, yeah. it's just, it's just frustrating and the it way The whole, yeah. whole system's set up. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Right. So, so I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And I've learned that over, you know, the course of my career that it's important. I I do want to make sure that I have a good work life balance that I do you know that I am present for my kids that I'm there as they're growing up but also that I am providing a good living for them and I'm fulfilling my need to to do the things that that I really want to do that I'm passionate about It may be something, you know, I'm I'm working with a group called Robertson Brain Health. They do fascinating work. You should look them up.
0: I'll put put them in the show notes.
1: You should. You should. They're they're really fascinating. They do a lot of work with brain chemistry and looking at first responders and government employees and... how the the risk fast factors for health and you know disease and relationships and, and things like that, what what is, is going on in the brains of local government employees versus you know the, the rest of the world yeah and and how they can help you to learn how to change your brain chemistry and be more preventative with your health and and be better with it. So it's that is fascinating to me. I have a really sciencey geeky background. I wanted to be a surgeon, and I can't do microbiology. I suck at it, so <laughs> I decided to, to do local government instead. Right, but I still really love the whole biology piece of it. So this is fascinating to me. Awesome. So you know, their work is expanding and growing. You know, there may be some opportunities for me to help out and do some things there. I already am a little bit. The consulting world may be where I need to stay. I I don't know. And right now I'm not too stressed about it. You know, I'm just going to go where God wants me to go and what's going to be best for my family and for me. And it's gonna work out.
0: So you know we're gonna wrap up here. We're about that one hour mark here, Charlotte. And I'd like to give everyone an opportunity who comes on the show to plug what they're doing and who they're with. And we've talked about C Suite for Christ. Can you can you tell the audience real quickly how to find C Suite for Christ as well as to find you over at Local Gov Consulting with Pete Bales and
1: right. So c-suite for christ obviously paul grew this on linkedin you know it's, it's got a huge linkedin presence so you can find c-suite for christ the home office you can sign, find c-suite for christ dayton just just search it up on linkedin it's right there we are happy to engage with you there is on march 6th and 7th in west bend wisconsin a covering the world in Christ celebration. This is something that Paul's put on the past few years and it's been growing and getting bigger and getting more, you know, following. This year Tim Tebow is the headliner and it's it's going to be a really, really amazing night. There are still tickets available, so if anybody wants to make the trek to West Bend, Wisconsin, and hear Tim Tebow speak, and uh, Matt Maurer is—and uh, I hope I said his name right—the the musical entertainment—and he's you know just amazing and on fire for God. So, you know, if if you have any interest in that, or if you're local to that area get in touch with me and I'll be happy to, to help you out. As far as local gov consultants and Pete Bales and myself and you know the other folks who are working for the the consulting firm, you can find that local gov consultants.com. Obviously we're, we're on LinkedIn as well. You can get in touch with me and I can uh, share how to get connected with Pete and
0: Well, awesome. Thank you, Charlotte. I've really enjoyed having you on. Like, you know, I really wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about your journey because I know it was a tough one in some parts. and, And I'm very happy to hear that things seem to be going really well for you and that you seem to found sort of hit your stride in what you're doing. And as you navigate your way. Back into maybe the full time public sector gig, I hope to see you back in city and county management of some form or fashion because some of us have fallen by the wayside it's a It's a tough environment <laughs> to work in, and uh, you know I have a lot of a lot of folks in my ear talking about how they're leaving the profession. I'm probably going to have a few on the podcast here at a later date, and it's kind of tricky because I don't want to turn people off to city management or county management, but I also want to have real honest discussions about some of the problems and challenges that we're facing in this profession. And, and so it's a nice to have you on here and I'm happy things are working well for you and your family. And I hope your, your puppies are healthy and that you, <laughs> they don't drive you too much, too, too crazy over the next week or so as you navigate yeah. that.
1: Yeah, yeah, things things are good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. This has been fun, and you know, I probably told you way too much about myself, more things than you probably needed to know. But no. it's, it's all part of the story, and all part of the makeup of you know how how this whole journey has evolved. So, this has been fun, and and the 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 funny farm here in West Milton, Ohio, will will always be crazy. And if it's not puppies, it's going to be something else. So.
0: No, no, I, you know, it, this is city manager unfiltered, but it doesn't just mean I'm unfiltered. I, you know, I want to have everyone, <laughs> you know, people, you know, we all have our own unique story. We're all, we're all walking our own unique journey. And it's this interesting dynamic where obviously as we go through life, we're walking our own journey and our own path but we don't need to walk it alone per se right or no. maybe all go into a different destination um, but we're going to meet and interact with people uh, throughout time and and share that journey with each other your story can be helpful and hopefully others can relate to it and provide them some help and and some strength and so obviously it's tough right and life can be difficult can be challenging and and we all got to try to get through it so if we can get through it together with the help of other people all the more better. Hey, thank you so much. I'm Joe Turner. This is the City Manager Unfiltered Podcast, a podcast for city managers and other public sector executives. It is the most influential local government podcast in America. Very proud of it. If you enjoy the show, please uh, like, follow, subscribe, rate and review on your platform of choice and uh, catch you next time. Thank you very much.